Hello, and welcome to Fast... No. <laughs> <laughs> that one's on you. Yeah, it is. Hello, and welcome to Fact Max, a podcast good enough to get you a C. Minus. My name is Matt, and I've got a story to tell you. And my name is Kev, and actually, Matt, today I have a story to tell you. What? Yeah, dude. I told you this day would happen eventually. And today well, is the Well, you day. did. You did always tell me that one day you'd be telling me a story, and one I day. never... Now, for the record, this would actually be the second time I've told a story. The first story I told uh, is the first and only show of Fact Max that actually didn't make the cutting. Uh, <laughs> you didn't for... have to tell anybody that. No, it's a funny story, <laughs> though, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, it is a funny story. I wanted to tell a story, but uh, about an hour before we did our show, I... I made a little bit of space cake. And if you're familiar with space cake, <laughs> you know, uh, you make some cake, you, you lick the spoon after, you don't think anything of it. Well, you make a little space cake, you lick the spoon about an hour later, shit gets weird. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I had a hard time keeping a narrative going. <laughs> so this is, this is round two. We're going to see how it goes. Yeah. So uh, yes, and uh, I think this will go considerably better. <laughs> uh, I and I, hope so. <laughs> I have been uh, prepared for this day, and I do in fact have my own round of facts, Max. You are going to find out that this is not quite as easy as you think. <laughs> so my facts and or schmacks are all about things that were developed during the space program that we now kind of all oh, enjoy th I'm all the fruits okay all oh, enjoy the space nerd the fruits of so the first one is dustbusters okay we have dustbusters because black and decker was tasked with coming up a portable self-contained drill uh, capable of getting samples from underneath the moon's surface on uh, the Apollo and Gemini missions. Uh, so really that like what the, you know, kind of the advancement was there uh, was to optimize uh, a motor and just minimize power consumption, kind of minimize it and, and optimize it. And the consumer application of, of all that research was actually to make a tiny handheld vacuum. Okay. I mean, that's very plausible. If that's a schmack, mm -hmm. you've put a lot of detail into it, and uh, I see now how much trickier that is. Uh-huh. Uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> how, how imaginative do you fancy that I am? <laughs> well, let's find out. Uh, the second one is the ballpoint pen. Uh, NASA needed develop, to develop something to write with that would work in space. Uh, pens at the time would not. Uh, after a million-dollar program to develop the the space pen, um, it uh, you know more commonly in consumer products became known as uh, Bix. Famously, the Russians used pencils. I was gonna say I <laughs> I've heard this where they spend a million dollars to make a pen and the Russians use pencils. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, the third one is home insulation. You know, uh, it's cold in space, right? So NASA had to develop a lot of, you know, insulation technology. In this case, they uh, figured out how to uh, use aluminum to make uh, insulation. And, uh, you know, as a result, we now have better insulation in our homes. All right, Matt. Yep. So, unless the uh, the whole pen pencil thing is just an urban legend that, uh, I mean, maybe I've heard of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Black and Decker thing sounds kind of believable. Yeah. Hmm. And not then, so easy, is it? Give me that third one again. Let me just hear how you say it. Well, third is home insulation. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen any aluminum insulation. Uh, um, 
So, well, okay. Uh, it's an it's it's an aluminum aluminumized polyester called Radiant Barrier. I should have included that in it. God damn. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with the third one is a schmacked. I win. Damn it. Which one was it? It was the uh, it's Dustbuster. The, no, it's the ballpoint pen. Is that just an urban legend? Well, and actually, I combined a couple urban legends uh, into that one. So the whole thing about NASA needing to develop a pen that would work in space, that is um, true to an extent. Um, they originally used pencils in space, just like the Russians originally used pencils in space. It turns out that um, when you use a pencil in space, the pencil breaks, and then you got tiny little pieces of graphite floating around, uh, and that's not great. Um Ballpoint pens were around at the time, but ballpoint pens uh, rely on gravity to work. So ballpoint pens were the pens that didn't work in space, that they needed to figure out a new way to have a pen. Somebody did, uh, the private sector actually ended up developing the space pen, uh, and uh, it was, uh, uh, NASA bought a bunch of space pens, I think, to the tune of, like, two bucks a piece. So the, even the whole thing about them spending a million bucks to, to fix that problem isn't true. Someone in the private sector fixed it, and they bought some pretty cheap pens. Well, no kidding, huh? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I put a couple little rumors or, or uh, fun, fun misunderstandings together there and presented you with a schmack that was quite believable, I believe. Well, Lottie fucking da. You got one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, that was pretty good. Um, I'm impressed. Uh, thank you. So uh, I actually have a little musing today, and we're not going to go uh-huh. too deep here because, uh, you know, that's not my game. This is weird for me. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought about, like, just voicing my musings, my inner dialogues, because uh, most of them are to be shared. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one is, is one that I always come back to, and it's... um. Pets. You pets. got a pet. I got a pet. I, I got two pets. You got two pets. I have, yeah, we have four pets here. Mm. Uh, do you ever just stop for a minute and think of how weird it is that we have animals living in our house willingly? That's like yeah. part of our family. Like, you ever, Absolutely. you ever pull your dog's mouth up a bit and look at those teeth? Um, one of them, yes. The other one, I wouldn't because he's crusty. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that. Um, yeah. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, I'll be petting my dog and I'm just like, let me see your teeth. And I'm like, God damn, like that, that could rip my hand off. And I'm just like sticking my hand in her mouth, like pulling the shit she's eating out of it. You know? Yeah. Don't think one of my of dogs, again, a, I would, I would not pull anything out of his mouth. It's a wild Unless it was my child. That yeah. lives in your house. Isn't it weird? When you yeah. just really stop and think about it. I mean... We've been more aware of it because, you know, I kind of joke about, but one of our dogs is, you know, he probably has anxiety and he has nipped at, uh, at, at you know, he's bit me before he's nipped at Aaron and uh, uh, my wife there and he is, uh, he's uh, nipped at my child too. Um, we probably, you know... We've said a lot of times lesser people would have gotten rid of this dog, but not lesser people, but, you know, less patient people or, or, but we, you know, in terms of, uh, uh, our kid, we've always taken the, you know, approach that you got to respect an animal and you need to approach it on its terms. So, you know, nothing really happened. And in that case, the, you know, there were pretty clearly established rules that had been you know, hadn't been observed. And this was kind of like a, well, that's, you know, that's, it's not good that he did it, but that's, that's not why, you know, that's why we don't do it. But I mean, yeah, I've, I, I've met your dog on many occasions. I don't think you have to worry too much about him going. No, he's going a very, he's a very, anything, but yeah, he's a very sweet dog. He's just possessive. So if he gets, you know, so if he's got something, you just don't take it from him. And sure. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it is, you know, so we're more aware, I guess that, but then we've got another dog that would absolutely melt into you if, you know, given the chance. She would literally become a part of you if she, if she could. She, 
cannot get close enough to you. And isn't that um, weird that this animal has such an affinity for us as like a different species? We don't speak the same language. We don't, you know, it, it's just such a weird yeah. thing when you stop and really think about it. Uh, yeah, I've been on a dog kick. I, I I made the mistake of watching one video about dog behavior on YouTube, so now seventy five percent of yeah, <laughs> now it's just all dog behavior stuff. So I watched a couple videos, and uh, yeah, interesting things about dogs. Like they look, they know that it's cool to look us in the eye, even though every other animal would understand that as a threat. But dogs yeah. understand that we like to look each other in the eye. You know, that's a weird thing. That's like a hard thing. To, how do you you know? I'm always um, behavior being bred out of in or out of animals is always really fascinating to me more than like traits. And I, I don't know why that is, but yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing, like spe- uh, specifically about dogs is, uh, you know, the dog traces back to a wolf. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Uh, you've met Penny. I mean, oh, what yeah. would Penny's wolf ancestors think about Penny? She, you know, what would they think about Dot? <laughs> right. And now I was just going to say. Our passwords. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, really, like when you get down to it, I mean, how much uh, selective breeding and stuff has gone into making a miniature poodle from a wolf? Yeah. You know, it, it's crazy. It's a weird or, thought, uh, you know. Or a wiener dog. Yeah. Yeah. How did we get to wiener dogs? How did we get to a wiener dog from a wolf? It just blows my mind. And when I stop and I think about it and I look at the pets and and the cats too, which I was never a cat person. Uh, One of our cats, I love all our cats now, uh, but one of them, I mean, ride or die. Uh, Like I would bleed for this, this cat, like my fucking homeboy, you know, Mm -hmm. it's an animal, a fucking wild animal. Well, yeah. not wild, but you know what I mean? It's it's just Yeah, a but that, and it's part it, of your family. It, yeah. It gets in my head sometimes and I go like, fuck, is that ever weird? Yeah. You know, like yeah, whatever any Oh, so, absolutely. So that's uh yeah. that's my musing for today. And I mean I've got like uh thirty fish in my house and Yeah, you know, like that's you created an uh, artificial environment for something that yeah. doesn't even recognize you as existing probably <laughs> oh that's that is i i keep i've kept tetras forever and they yeah they could not they have to absolutely have no idea that i'm even there uh, and i've recently started keeping cichlids in a different tank and they absolutely see me and when i come with the food they know i'm i'm there and that's kind of fun okay that's kind of rewarding yeah, I'm I'm way more involved in their life. <laughs> You're like a deity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Kevin, tell me a story, buddy. All right, so I got a story. I'm excited. Uh, I'm going to whistle a couple bars because I don't know, maybe Adam knows and he can just clip in the music here for us. I don't know what the rules are. We probably can't. I looked into it and it's not good. Yeah. But what what can, are we what are we, we doing can here? Can we kind of whistle it, you know? Is that like legal? What are we whistling? It's it's a theme song. Um, we're gonna for do it. Mash. We're gonna do it. Okay. Do you recognize that? You know the funny thing is, we're on uh, Discord and the noise suppression just completely eliminated it, oh, so I didn't hear really? any of it at all. Wow. But was it suicide? Is is it suicide? Is painless for Mash? It wasn't suicide. Is painless. Uh, maybe we'll oh. just maybe we'll just cut this part out. Probably not, because that's always how it goes when I say something dumb. <laughs> that's up staying in the mix, so we'll just move on. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame that I do the editing, huh? That's <laughs> a damn shame. Uh, actually, okay. So what I want to talk to you about uh, is um, it was the premise of a movie from the '60s, a very famous movie. Well, I think it was famous anyhow. It has a very famous scene in it with Steve McQueen. We're talking okay, about, we're talking about the Great Escape today. Oh, okay. And here's the thing. I don't know anything about this. Okay, that's fun. All I right, actually don't, dude. You're yeah, gonna, you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna do some digging after this. Uh, <laughs> oh, pun intended, for sure. Um, so anyhow, uh, back in the old WW two, you got yeah. uh, you know you got um, you got guys getting shot down almost on the daily, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you do with them? Well. You know, Germany is part of the Geneva Convention. They, I, I think I read somewhere they were actually the first people to sign the Geneva Convention. During World War II? 
Well, the Geneva Convention came, you know, I don't know. We'll look that up. But it came well before, I think it was before World War One, Or it was oh, right okay. after World War One. Because they really didn't treat the places they occupied well, really well. And that's the thing, because, I mean, there's a difference between Germany and Nazi Germany. Sure. So, anyhow... Yeah, they, okay, yeah, yeah. When it came to... Oh, yeah, absolutely there is, sorry. Yeah, when it came to yeah. British and American prisoners, most of them were treated relatively well especially considering, you know, how the rest of people were treated in German prisoner camps, uh, specifically mm -hmm. the Russians. And then, of course, we know, like, the Holocaust and all that. But uh, not to glaze over that, but to go on with the story. So we have all these allied airmen who are getting shot down on the daily. You got to do something with them. So you put them in camps. And what do you For think? For sure. Maybe you... Maybe you concentrate them together in some sort of camp or <laughs> uh, careful. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, when you, when you get all these guys in a camp, what do you think they do? Do you think they just kind of hang out there? Are you, are you waving at me? What'd no, I'm telling you to get, cause I can definitely tell like when you're there, it's like this. And when you're here, it's like this, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. You need to stay there, especially if you're going to be talking the whole time. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So we'll, I'll, we'll, I will definitely we'll edit this part out. Yeah. Just make me sound good, goddammit. <laughs> that, well, and the, the, that's the thing is I want to make sure that you're, especially if you're going to be talking the whole time, you need to be, like, make sure you, listen, like, t touch your nose to the pop screen if you have okay. to. But like, I'll, I'll get right yeah. in there. I'll get in there like a dirty yeah. shirt. All right, yeah. so let's back up a bit. All yeah. right, so you got, these, uh, you got these allied airmen getting shot down on the daily. They yeah. get captured. You put them in a prisoner of war camp. And what do you yeah. think they do? They just knit sweaters and write letters home and just kind of hang out? They play cards. I bet they played a lot of crazy eights. Mm, these guys were all about the escaping. They felt <laughs> it was their duty. Like, yeah. As far as they were concerned, just because they're in a camp doesn't mean they're not in the fight. Right? right. So these guys, uh, it's basically their their mission is to harass the enemy, make the enemy guard them, search for them, you know, just constantly cause trouble for these guys. Like yeah. Constant trouble. So that's terrific. Yeah. So they basically it's like a game to them. And because they're protected under the Geneva Convention as officers of, you know, another army. Uh, they're not shot for their escape attempts. Usually they're, they're basically part of the Geneva convention was that you would get like 10 to 20 days solitary confinement. And at the particular camp we're talking about, maybe at other camps, but this was known as the Kula. The so, Gula. The cooler. The, that, oh, the cooler. Yeah, the Kula. Oh, okay. Like in the, you know, in the movies and stuff. German so just like the Kula. I just want to point out that. You know, if you're uh, so these pilots that we're talking about, what what countries are they from? So the pilots in this particular uh, camp are uh, British, um, Norwegian. Uh, there's Canadians. There are Americans. Uh, a lot of Commonwealth. Uh, there's Polish. There's a bunch of different nationalities, predominantly British and British Empire. Mm hmm. Any pilots. Russians? <laughs> there are no Russian pilots that I know of. You know what's funny? Here. They would use the Russians, actually. Uh, funny you mention it. They use the Russians <laughs> to build the camp and knock the trees down in the area that they built. Like as axes? They use the Russians? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm making a joke at the... the, the Horrible, like, horrible thing. <laughs> horrible treatment of Russians by Germans. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that, that you know, Russia... Went into Germany the way they did. It's and it's the reason that Germany, you know, it's the way that Germany went into Russia. But um, yeah, there there was a. Uh, I, I'm just yeah. There was um, there's a difference in the way that uh, Germans treated Russians in absolutely and Germans treated allies in terms of the Geneva Convention and specifically the way airmen were treated in Nazi Germany because um. The uh, the British and and whatever the any kind of um, you know um, air force personnel from the enemy that were captured in Germany fell under the control of the Luftwaffe. 
specifically under Herman uh, Herman Goering, who yeah. himself was a World War One fighter ace. Mm-hmm. So he kind of had this um, this old fashioned kind of, you know, we're just men doing a thing in the sky, and and now that it's like he kind of treated them better, he gave them a little bit more. Uh, dignity, a little better treatment uh, in the camps than, yeah. say, maybe uh, like a soldier or a sailor would have got. Sure. He kind of had an affinity for fellow aviators in the old World War One sense of, you know, yeah. you didn't shoot a guy on a parachute kind of thing. So anyhow, okay. so they, they got treated pretty good. But these guys, all they wanted to do was get out. I mean, some of them, yeah. had, some of them been in there from from like, you know, the first days of the war. Mm-hmm. So these guys are getting a little wire happy. They're always making escapes and they're just kind of having a good time with it. it, you know, more or less. So eventually at some point, a lot of the escapes kind of get really tiresome because it ties up a lot, a lot of personnel. They decide we're going to build a camp, basically like Alcatraz on land, of course, but yeah, we're going to build a camp. These guys ain't escaping from. So they pick this camp and it's near Sagan, Germany, which is now Zagan, Poland. They okay. F- they find this area. It's really sandy. They build this camp, and they, they take, like, a, you know, they, they pick this because it's sandy, and it's also hundreds of miles from, like, any kind of friendly country or whatever, right? So they think, well, once yeah. you get out, you're in our territory. You're not going to make it out, Right. They put all the uh, all the huts up on stilts, so they're above the ground, so you can't dig under them. Okay. They also put the wire, like the fence, is so far away from these huts that just to get under the underneath the the wire, you'd have to dig like you know, seventy five feet underground in sand, which is going to collapse on you. They're pretty sure this place is kind of escape proof and they take all their bad eggs, put them in this camp. <laughs> okay. I think it's probably a mistake to put all your bad eggs in one spot. <laughs> oh, it absolutely like, is. Like you don't put you don't put all of your eggs in one basket, but you particularly don't put all of your bad eggs in one <laughs> basket. <laughs> yeah, this is this ends up being a particularly bad move uh, on behalf yeah. of Germany. <laughs> so they uh-huh. they put all their eggs in the basket. The first day these guys get there, uh, uh-huh. There's uh, and this I read this so there's the movie which is actually follows really close to true life. Uh, some of the characters are kind of composite characters, um, and certain situations are obviously dramatized for a movie. I also read the book uh, by Paul Brickhill, The Great Escape, which he was actually there and uh, gives a very detailed account of everything. But you know, the first day they get there, they've got these Russians who are still kind of clearing trees around the compound. Yeah. And, uh, you know, guys are jumping into carts full of uh, brush and they're, you know, they're trying to blend in with the the Russians. And it's like they're the minute these guys get in there before they even claim a bunk, they're checking it out. You know, how do we get out of here? Where do we, you know, they're probably going to escape. They're probing. Yeah. So they're they're kind of, you know, hanging around the camp. And there's one guy in particular missing. Now, when they were in these camps, they still maintained like um like a military structure so they had what was called the uh um the sb sbe sbo senior british officer and he would be like yeah. the, the prisoner commandant of the camp so this was a guy so by the, the most senior prisoner the most senior prisoner would be okay. this guy and they called him uh i forget what his exact rank was but they called him wings oh, he- his name was uh macy and they oh, would call him Wings his, Macy. That was his... He was very high up. So he's kind of... That's who they... Hit the sitcom Wings was based off him. I don't think so. No, it is wasn't. This, but is this what it's like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, where I, were you? I repent. <laughs> so anyhow, when they're, when they're in these camps, they have, like, organizations. So they have... You know, the senior British officer is this guy named Wings Macy, and he's kind of the, the commandant of the prisoners. And uh-huh. he kind of liaises with the commandant of the camp, who's a fella named, uh, I got to look at this one, 
Frederick Wilhelm von Lindener Wildau. So we're going to call Isn't him Freddy. Is that your next door neighbor? <laughs> no. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to call him uh, Commandant Freddy for now, just to make life easy on me. Okay. So anyhow, so he kind of liaises with this guy, and, and, and the guy kind of says, you know, enjoy your time here. Don't make any escape attempts. Like, it's, it's pointless. We, we, we have a theater here for you. You can put on plays, build a garden. They got Red Cross shipments. They can write home. You know, they give them, like, kind giving of a... Them a th- kind giving of th- them a theater but not entertainers is a little bit presumptuous, I feel. Well, that's that's, that's the thing. like a like, it's a make work project. Exactly, you know, make uh, a play, I make a play, yeah. and, and direct a play, and, and have. Well, people I'll tell be you actors. what they they made a play at Freedom, <laughs> but not right away. Well, mostly right uh, away. Oh, that rhymed. <laughs> but there's another guy who's missing because it's not just the military structure that exists in these camps. There's an organization, and it's got a badass name. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> it's called the X Organization. Whoa. Yeah, isn't that dangerous yeah, sounding? Yeah, that is very dangerous. So the there's X Org. There's a fella who kind of heads up the X Organization. They call mm-hmm. him, you ready for this? Big yep. X. <laughs> I don't think I was ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> Big X is a fella named Roger Bushel. And he's yeah. a pretty badass dude. He was a uh, squadron Why commander. Why didn't they call him Big Bush? <laughs> because I think the X thing was, it was anonymous, right? Like, you could talk oh, about it. Oh, I guess, yeah, you that would about it. Big X, who's Big X? Well, I don't know. Right. Right? Right, 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 right. So yep. one of the things that these guys, uh, well, we'll get to that in a minute. So anyhow, so they got there. Roger's uh, not there. Um, he is in Gestapo custody being questioned uh he had had a bunch of previous escape attempts at one point he got out and he stayed in prague for about eight months before they were um betrayed recaptured and he spent a bunch of time being kind of interrogated by the gestapo uh one of the things they were asking about was if he was responsible for the killing of uh oh god heinrich the hell's his name now? Heinrich. Uh, did I take this? Maneuver? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Heinrich Reinhardt. Uh, he was actually better known as the Butcher of Prague. He was uh, the senior SS guy in, in charge of Prague. Okay. I'm sure you've seen. Uh, there's a movie where way uh, less fun guy. Yeah, way less fun. <laughs> um, and it's Heimlich, but... Yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, um, there was a famous assassination where a bunch of uh, resistance fighters, basically, I, th- I think they threw a grenade in his car. Oh. Uh, there was a movie about it a couple of years back. It's pretty good. But anyhow, the, the Gestapo wants to find anything they can on these guys, because if you know anything about the Gestapo, they love the shooty-shooty. They want to just find out that these guys are spies, that they were out doing espionage, whatever, so they can shoot them. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing about, uh, you know, uh, about those sorts of regimes is they remove your ability to protest the regime because they just shoot you and get rid of you. Exactly. You're not even a martyr. You disappear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, Rogers, he's in custody, he's, they're, and they're... Eventually, because he's a he's an airman, and Goering's got a lot of sway, he basically well we got to give him back. But you you best be advised if we pick you up again outside of a camp, that's the end of you, kaput. You know. Yeah. They kind of tell him you know next escape attempts can be your last if we catch you. Yeah. Which you know they're not really supposed to do, but anyhow, it's Nazi Germany. They kind of made up their own rules. You know how it yeah. goes. So oh, did they break the Geneva Convention at some point? <laughs> Once or tw- there was a couple, couple of things where they kind of they might have slipped up. Oh. I know it's terrible, yeah. right? Yeah. 
anyhow, so uh, old Raj gets uh, sent back, and so the name of this camp, uh, just if I didn't mention it, is Stalag Luft Three. Of course. Which is kind of a badass name. Um, so he gets sent back to Stalag Luft Three, and okay. as soon as he gets here, he calls a meeting, and mm-hmm. he gets the X organization together, which this may of see- course. The, the the wings Macy the the guy kind of ahead of and charge all the prisoners. Yeah. He's aware of the X organization, but he's not really involved. Would it be an it would be an interesting situation if if wings Macy had to join the X organization, but he was a lower rank in the X organization, but he was a higher rank in the military. Yeah, well, well basically that was kind of how it was. Like the X organization did their own thing, and it was. He was aware of it, but they could, and they would kind of say like, "This is when we're going," you know. He could he could make a suggestion to them, but you know, the ex organization was, "We're men, we're going home, we're fo- whatever, fighting this war." Like it was yeah, kind of separate sure. from the military chain of command. <clears throat> Excuse me. So anyhow, <clears throat> even though the military chain of command was like ostensibly sort of observed, it was observed, and I mean, like they would have like a morning parade, which they would call a pell where they would all gather, do roll call. They'd have a couple of these throughout the day, and then a couple Any surprise floats? ones. Any floats in the parade? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> see if that joke floats. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, he calls a meeting. And in this meeting, he says, not only are we going to escape, but we're going to give them the biggest fuck-off escape they've ever seen. We're going to get 200 guys out. And how That's the hell are we going to do this? We're going to dig... Almost call that a great escape. Three tunnels. Not one tunnel. Three tunnels. Three tunnels. Now, so you've got to get down 75 feet. Is that how tall the things were? Or 25 how big do you feet? think they have these things? The huts. Yeah, they're only how like two, three huts? feet off the ground. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. I thought... Sorry, I thought you said they were like really suspended. No, no, they're okay, so they're you're... elevated, so you can't dig, right? You know, you you can't have a tunnel going through the dirt under your hut, right? Because it's elevated, and they had they would have. Right. So the Germans they would call them either goons or ferrets, and oh. the ferrets would search were... all over for escape plans. They'd have microphones buried to listen. Pretty elaborate stuff that they'd use to keep these guys from escaping, right? Are these like really real ferrets? Sure. Okay. <laughs> no, they're just they're just Germans specifically there kind of looking for holes, looking for all oh, okay. kinds of stuff, right? Right, they're going to ferret it out. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyhow, um the people need to know. Listen, you want me to get to this next part of the story. Okay. You're going to love this. So, they okay. got three, three tunnels, three tunnels. And you know, you're hanging out in the camp and you can't say, "Hey, how's that tunnel going?" Can you? What if that Germans over there listening? So, what do you think you do? You got to give it a code word? Sure. Yeah. It'd so be they, good. That could, could be good. They gave these <clears throat> they gave these holes some code words. You ready for their yeah. names? I have never been more ready for anything in my life. We got Tom, Dick, uh-huh. and Harry. And Harry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they said it in that order because Harry, Dick, Tom just seemed really weird to everybody. Well, and ever since, I guess that's been a thing. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Yeah. So, Is that where that comes from? To every Tom, Dick, and Harry? Uh, I'm actually, I don't or know. Or did they name that after that phrase? I See, I don't know. I, hmm, I didn't It would be a good deep. thing to research, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well. It's really easy to point out. Story. <laughs> really easy to point out things you maybe should have researched. <laughs> Is this like, um, Is this like penance? It's not necessarily penance. It's uh, <laughs> it's walking a mile in the other person's shoes, <laughs> you know. And hey, as the great Jack Handy once said, before you insult somebody, you should walk a mile in their shoes because then you'll be a mile away and you've got their shoes. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> so <laughs> sorry. Anyhow, continue. They decide they're gonna dig three tunnels. Tom, Dick, and Harry. Uh-huh. So how do you think you dig a tunnel? How's Tom? What's up? Um, how's Tom? How's Dick? How's Harry? I, okay, no. so I, I, yeah. Um, you know, like these things are elevated. It? Where do you, where do you start the hole? 
near the post, I would think. In the post. In the how big was the post? So they're I mean they're they're pillars. So so imagine like a say two three foot say a three foot by three foot pillar i don't know the exact dimensions but you have a pillar you know every couple feet corners probably in the center yeah so they basically they they, okay so i was picturing like lumber huts they're lumber huts but they're on like stone they were on like kind of cement or concrete pads or pillars yeah okay so they were big enough to dig right through yeah, so they had to basically bust well, had through Had I them. known that was an answer, I would have picked that. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me there. Um, mm-hmm. So anyhow, they so they got to get through these pillars, right? Yeah. They basically make like these false top pillars. One of them is in a drain where they actually just yeah. keep water in it, which is genius. And then when it's time, they scoop the water out. They pop the, the lid off. The guy goes down the shaft and starts digging. And they huh. would have basically two shifts each day digging. But uh, so they had one, one was under a stove and they had a fire going in the stove the whole time. So the, the goons wouldn't feel like, oh, we should move the stove and look underneath. Right. Who's, and, yeah, who's digging under there? Yeah. So they would make wooden, they had like these wooden things cut so that you could put them around the thing and two guys could lift the stove off. They would pull up the trap door. Huh. Two, yeah. three guys would go in, they'd close it up, and they'd let them go. That's amazing. Yeah, dude, it's... Just wait. These guys are... Ah. It's the most ingenious thing. So they're down there digging, right? They, they got two shifts each day, and they know roughly whenever they're going to call for a pal, and they'll have these guys come up, clean up. A lot of times they would just uh, tunnel, like, kind of in their underwear, or sometimes okay. even naked. Just so they could come up, be clean, throw clothes on, go get counted, go back to work. Sure. And they wouldn't run at night because sometimes they would have like snap kind of things. Inspections. So to, to cut down on the risk of having three guys missing at inspection, they just, they, they were two shifts. Three. That's funny. It was easier to slip a couple guys out during the day when well, see, you no, know, they, people they had from place like, to place. It was kinda, I don't know exactly how many intervals they would have, but... They would have like kind of like a morning appell and an evening appell and probably one around lunch and they would kind of just call them, do kind of a roll call, count them all up. Yeah. yeah everybody's here. You know, go back to whatever you're doing. Go back to your theater. So um, you got to think like these guys are digging, you know, like when you're going through the when you're going through the cement pad, that makes a lot of noise. Right. Yeah, either you're hammering or you're, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe you could scratch your way through. Probably yeah. not. So scrape, but even that would make noise. They had about 600 people in this camp employed in this X organization in various roles. One of the kind of bottom roles where you, you might not Whoa, even really, how many people are in this camp? Uh, I don't know exactly. Well, I guess they're trying to free 200 people, so. Yeah. So There's I a mean, lot of people there, I guess. That's a good question that I didn't think to look up. I had a bunch of notes, mm-hmm. and then I was like, you know what? It's just too much. It's too mm-hmm. much. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go see. by what I know. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's fact schmacks. I don't need a lot of notes. <laughs> so anyhow, so you got all these these guys digging. They're making a bunch of noise. How do you make sure you don't get caught? Well, you've got That's these guys question. at the bottom rung of the X organization, and they are stooges, they call them. So yeah. we would have been stooges. So we would have Absolutely. Been, we would have we been still like, are stooges. Yeah. They, so somebody would just basically say, okay, Matt, your job today is to go hang out on the corner of that building, and if you see a goon walk in, pick your nose. Make- so you pick okay. your nose, and then the guy tells me, he's like, you watch him. If he picks his nose, you tug your ear. Right. And then the guy inside's watching. Buddy tugs his ear. Close it up. Get out of the hole. Whatever. We're done. Goon yeah. comes in, does his thing. And they had these guys all over. And they, and they had the signals just so good to the point where they knew, like, who was coming in, when. They were they were recording these guys. Like, these guys made jobs Yeah. out of all this stuff. Um, I wonder... I. 
I wonder if anybody just had an inconvenient booger that caused a chain reaction. <laughs> Probably. I'm sure they had a signal to be like, all right, if I got to pick my nose for real. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tug my ear first. And yeah. if I need to tug my ear for real, I'm going to pick my nose first. <laughs> And so on down the line. Yeah. If I need to adjust my junk for real, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm absolutely sure they had that figured out. I'm sure they I'm, had it very nuanced. I mean, if you have one job, you should do it well, right? Yeah. Like research. Well, I a lot. Of, I guess if. No, <laughs> I guess they had uh, nothing. Uh, nothing but time, right? Yeah, they had nothing but time, <laughs> and this was their way of fighting the war. Yeah. Right. It kept them from going. Um, what they would call it. Uh, wire happy okay where at certain points guys would get so crazy they would just run at the wire and try to jump it and obviously be machine Ah. guns so they had that's the other thing so they had a warning wire you know say 10 20 feet from the actual fence on the other side of that warning wire you're dead meat right so yeah the uh they had guard towers i mean it's picture a prison camp that's what it looked like you know like guard towers what barbed wire fence sentries patrols dogs everything right yeah um so anyhow god damn this is actually a lot harder than i thought it would be (laughs) so so you got these stooges okay you got a bunch of stooges uh the other thing that they would do is they would have like a choir so they would get a bunch of guys to be in a choir and, and those guys might have just thought they were in a choir and then, okay, we're going to meet at this bunk at this time, and we're going to sing. And, we're gonna <laughs> and when they're singing, these guys are chipping away at this hole. And when they stop That's singing, brilliant. they stop. Dude, it, yeah. it blows your mind. Yeah. So, so anyhow, so they're digging through. They get through, the, uh, they get through the, uh, the cement. Now you're into the dirt. Okay? So this place was picked because it was made of sand. The sand underneath doesn't match the sand on top. What do you think you're going to do with all that sand? Oh, you got the wrong sand. You got different colored sand. What the fuck do you do? Uh, you can't hide it under any... the huts because they measure how high the huts are. Right. Do they have any like... Oh, fuck. That's a great question. Yeah, well, they figured they it out. So one of the things that they got in abundance of from the Red Cross was basically like thermal underwear and stuff, like long johns uh-huh. kind of. So they would cut the sleeves off these things. They'd yeah. tie, the, tie them up at the bottom with a pin. And a guy, they would call them penguins. <clears throat> a guy would go in. He'd wear these like with a string around his neck and put them in his trousers. He'd fill them up with sand. He'd walk out into the compound, walk around, uh-huh. you know, like they had gardens, so they would garden and stuff. He'd walk up to the fellow garden. How's it going today? And he'd pull the pin on these things and the sand would just go out at his feet and he kind of yeah. kick it around as he's standing there talking and then he walks away and another penguin comes around maybe they go for a walk around the compound they're each kind of kicking so it sort out. of like a- andy dufresne did in uh exactly that's where the, i think that's where the inspiration came from i have to imagine yeah so you got all the sand now you, you get down there they go about 30 feet deep before they even think to start going out to the wire. Yeah. In three tunnels. So you can imagine this is a big, big production. And a lot of sand. A lot of sand. But they're doing okay with that. One of the problems they start to run into is the guys are getting buried because sand collapses. Yeah. Right? So what the hell do you do? You got to shore it up. Well, if you had a sinkhole, the, you know, you might uh, notice that something's going on. Yeah. You know, so you, you're down 30 feet. Yeah. You start going out. You're getting rid of the dirt. Okay, that's great. But all of a sudden, you're getting cave-ins. Well, you got to shore, shore up. up. So, so what are you going to use? Well, what do you use? What well, do you use? You got a whole camp at your disposal. They start ripping the camp apart piece by piece. <laughs> in an audit after um, after the uh, after the escape, the the investigation did an audit, <clears throat> and when they did uh, an inventory of the uh, camp, I'm going to read this a bit of this. There's a lot. This is just some highlights. Uh, 
They found 4,000 bedboards missing, 90 <laughs> complete double bunks missing, 635 <laughs> mattresses missing. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm going to stop you right there. Where are the dudes who were sleeping who were supposed to be in those beds? They would make beds out of string, like almost like a hammock. Yeah. And you and just the guards sleep. wouldn't notice? They didn't search that deep. And then they kind of <laughs> figured eventually stuff would wear and tear and, and get destroyed and stuff, right? Yeah. They were pulling, um, what was it, like... Where was I there? Uh, doesn't matter. They had like full size tables for like 20 men, a bunch of them gone. Thousands of forks and knives and spoons gone. <laughs> like these guys consume the shit out of this. So you're down there, you're digging away. Okay, you got everything shored up. God damn it, it's dark. What are you going to do? I just, I just, hang on. Before we move on. Okay. I just love the idea that you're taking so much care to not be found while you're digging this tunnel, but at the same time, you're just absolutely shamelessly <laughs> plundering. Pillaging. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was the other thing, too, is like <laughs> part of the thing, like these guys, you know, these guys up top didn't just act like model prisoners. I mean, they were giving the guys a run for their money. Yeah. Now, one of the things like when we talk about up top at this time You've got your stooges kind of on the lookout. Another thing that they have going is they have German-speaking pilots who were there who are befriending a lot of these Germans because, you know, it's the same guys every day. So you eventually yeah, kind of sure. make friends with them, right? Absolutely. And there's a bit you know, of a respect thing. You want to you wanna get along with the people you work with, even if... Uh, I yeah. Don't know, I would and, hope, anyway. And they would slowly ply these guys for for information because the prisoners would get red cross things and the germans trying to be decent to the allied pilots would let the red cross stuff in so they would get f chocolate and coffee and and all these things that the germans couldn't get <laughs> and they slowly kind of started well fritz why don't you come on into my room and have a coffee coffee sure yeah coffee when you want a chocolate here's the chocolate you yeah. like American smokes? Here, have an American... They'd, they'd make friends with them, right? There's like, you know, there's times in my life where you couldn't waterboard me to get me to do something, but maybe you could ply me with a coffee. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, so they're under... Uh, back to the tunnel, right? So they're underground. They're digging. Um, it's dark as fuck down there. They start making lamps out of uh, basically fat. Fat okay. lamps. They're burning fat. Yeah. Uh, eventually... You know what? Hey... Fun thing, fat lamps. That was my nickname in high school. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was really skinny in high school. I'm fat I, rem now. I remember you in high school. <laughs> vaguely. Um, anyhow, so they're burning fat lamps. They, they got some light down there, right? Um, eventually, some German contractors come in to do some electrical work. And these guys, I mean, they'll, you know... They'll go up and talk to the German guy. Oh, what are you doing, Fritz? Like, you're putting some lights in over here? Can you show me? Meanwhile, their buddies over there stealing their tools, stealing their pliers, stealing... <laughs> they ended up stealing a roll of cable. So they take a roll of cable, and they... they now, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Uh, they end up using it to light one of the tunnels. But uh, we'll get to that. Uh, anyhow, so, you know, they're up there. They're thieving. They're, they're doing all this stuff, right? They're having a great time. So you figure three tunnels takes a lot of time. Eventually one of these tunnels gets found out, right? Yeah. Big yeah. bummer. They shut everything down while they're shut down though. They're not done. They're not out. They start, you know, Roger starts auditioning in a or He's playing a part in one of the plays. He's a model citizen. He's his escape attempts are up. Yeah. In the meantime, they're thinking about, well, what do you do on the other side of the wire? You can't just walk around Germany yeah. in allied clothing, right? Well, you need some civilian clothing. So they start getting guys as tailors. Oh. And they're dyeing clothes. 
they're bleaching clothes they're using food stuff to to make dyes boot polish they're shaving down wool blankets and making them nice and smooth and 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 whatnot uh and, and in the meantime you got another group of guys uh so i mentioned that the uh german-speaking prisoners were making friends with some of the uh the guards yeah well they're also plying them for information and and some of the guards would kind of give them something show them stuff eventually they ended up kind of well you left your wallet here but we'll take a look for it you definitely don't want to report that do you fritz it's eastern front for you if you do (laughs) and in the meantime they handed it off to the forger who's made a perfect copy of this stuff by hand yeah so they got a bunch of artists working you know stooge is kind of running interference with the goons and and they, they got it all figured out. They're they're making all these passes like spot on, you know, the point where you couldn't even tell the difference. Train tickets, everything. They got guys making maps. They had a guy make a printing press and using like it was some kind of like fruit to make to print <laughs> off a bunch of maps. It's insane That's... the shit they did. They started making uh they started making compasses by putting uh needles on the um the speakers, the loudspeakers, and okay. then they would put it in water and they would seal it up. And, yeah. and they even had, so far as they would stamp it at the bottom, proudly made in Stella Gloof 3. <laughs> and, you know, like, so a lot of these, and a lot of these papers, they needed official stamps. Well, you don't have the official stamp, so this guy's carving out his boot with the frickin' <laughs> the stamp that they need. Yeah. They, they had everything figured out. They got guys making like these um basically like cakes of food that were like uh, terrible to eat but they were full of calories so mm-hmm. every guy would get it anyhow carrying on so they 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 lost one they decide we're just gonna go right down just hammer the shit out of harry right they start throwing yeah. dirt down dick and underneath the oh, theater, okay. just they're to, sacrificing Dick for Harry, eh? They sure are, because Tom's been yeah. caught, right? So now Tom's they, compromised. The the only building that had an under like uh, full skirted kind of to the ground was the theater. So they start they start throwing all this dirt underneath the theater. Yeah. So they eventually they dig and they dig and they dig and they dig and they they think they've made it. So the night of the escape comes, right? So we're into March. 1944 mm-hmm. uh what like two months before d-day ish yeah <clears throat> so they're ready to go and how they picked guys was they had kind of like the serial offenders the pro escapers the guys who were kind of high up in the organization or the tunnelers like the people who put the most work into it yeah they had big acts but then every camp uh every hut had like a an ex-leader with a su- kind of like a foreman and a sub foreman, and then his his guys. Sure, they're super well organized. So the kind of the guys who put the most effort into it, you know, they're they're kind of drawn for top, as well as anybody who could speak German or French. They'd have more mm, likelihood handy. of surviving. Yeah. Uh, so they give these guys um, the clothing. They give them identity cards. They actually at one point had smuggled in a camera. They convince a guard to bring them a camera. Yeah. So they have photo ID, right? How did how did they do that? Dude, it, you gotta just you gotta watch the the movie's great. Give us a camera. Why? I don't know. I think it, if I remember reasons. In the book, it was in or in the movie, it was because they the guy had lost his wallet, and he's like, "Well, we could probably find your wallet if you get us a camera." Right? Oh shit! Well, shouldn't he have had a lot of questions about the camera? <laughs> Well, because they wanted to take pictures. They just, you know, they, they, they would play it off innocently enough. Dick pics. They did want to, t- they did <laughs> want to take dick pics. Harry <laughs> pics. Anyhow. They wanted to take hairy dick pics. So these guys, these guys get kitted out. They get clothes. They get identity papers. They get train tickets. They're given money that they'd eventually, like they'd kind of accumulated money and stashed it away. So here's your clothes, here's your food, here's your compass, here's your train ticket, here's your money. Um, you're going to catch this train, whatever. And they would give them orders like, you know, at this time you're going to go out, you're going to whatever. So these guys, uh, um, 
eventually they have it all lit up, right? Because I told you they stole the thing of wire. They ended up getting yeah. light bulbs down there. It's lit right up. Yeah. They get all the way to the end, <clears throat> um, and they go up, and it takes them a little bit because the ground's kind of frozen. They eventually mm-hmm. break through a little later than they'd hoped. Yeah. So the guy pops his head out. Oh, for fuck's sakes, all this planning, wouldn't you know it, we're 20 feet short of the tree line, and there's <sighs> snow on the ground. Now, it's a moonless night, so yeah. they, they say, you know what? We're not licked. We're going to grab a rope. And one of the things that the Germans did is they would spy on them from the tree line. So they wouldn't just go in the camp and they would actually watch them from outside and see who's going into where and and where's the traffic, whatever. So there was this blind that the Germans had made not far from the hole. Well, I'm going to go to that blind. I'm going to take this length of rope. And when it's clear, I'm going to give two tugs and you're going to come out. And then every 10th man would take over mm-hmm. and that guy would go. So the guy gets out, he goes, starts pulling, signaling. Eventually they end up getting out 76 guys, which is pretty That's impressive. Pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Uh, at some point in the middle of this, there's an air raid, which actually works to their benefit because all the lights go out. Yeah. They get 76 guys out on the 77th guy. A lone German sentry is walking along, almost walks into the hole, walks between one of the guys who just laid down in the snow and the hole. And I think it was something like another guy had popped out. Um, Anyhow, this German eventually kind of clues in. Holy shit. There's prisoners (laughs) here. Oh, shit. There's a hole. And he goes to shoot the guy. And the guy at the blind pops out and goes... Don't shoot, don't shoot. And the guy, shocked by that, turns around, fires kind of wildly. All the guys in the hole know the gig's up. They start booking it back. Yeah. Um, But the guys who got away, um, they did pretty good. Uh, A bunch of them ended up getting on trains. A lot of them were picked up kind of, you know, here and there. Some of them made it quite a while. Um, Eventually, they pick up pretty much everybody except three three do get away uh two guys so they try to get 200 guys out 77 guys actually get out three guys three guys guys actually actually get get home three guys actually get home but in the meantime they've caused all this trouble like they had almost half a million people searching for these people at one point and tied up stuff but we're, we're not quite done yet i know this has gone on a little long we're not quite done. Um, so three guys get out. They go through two guys travel as a pair. They go through Spain or not Spain, Sweden. They get on a Swedish ship. They end up free. Another guy travels with the French resistance yeah. uh, through most of Europe and eventually uh, ends up at the British consul in Spain. Uh, so good for him. Good for those guys. Um, yeah. So after they round up all these prisoners, only about... I think, what was it, 23 get returned to the camp. And they can't quite figure out what's going on. So eventually the, the commandant calls Wings Macy and, and he kind of says, uh, oh, I, I regret to inform you that 50 of the prisoners were, were shot during escape. And Wings Macy in, in the movie and in, and in real life quite famously says, well, how many of them were wounded? And the commandant says, it's only my duty to inform you that 50 were shot. And he's any he kind of how many were wounded? None. So what happened was they took 50 guys. Basically, because of all the escape attempts, the uh, SS had kind of put some pressure on and, and we're going to set an example and. And they had this guy named General Neb, 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 kind of pick names. And um, he ended up like there's some reports, you know, he would kind of go through and he really agonized over who was going to go. It's, well, this one's too young and this one's tried to escape too much and this and that. And he eventually came up with a list of 50 names. Those guys were shot unceremoniously and, and singularly and in pairs and whatnot. Um Murdered, Roger Bushel being one of them. 
Um, they were murdered, ended up, they, I think they sent their remains back, cremated some of them. Um, so eventually the camp is liberated by the Soviet army and they do an investigation into, you know, how were these men killed? Why were they killed? They do, <clears throat> they do catch a bunch of the Gestapo officers who, uh, who, who were responsible for it. But yeah. uh, not all of them, of course. Yeah. You know, the fog of war. But for uh, sure. yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, it was just a really crazy story. And, and I don't, huh, I'm yeah. obviously not doing it justice. You know, when you look at what these guys really, really did, it was so industrious. And they, they would have, oh, uh, actually, <laughs> one extra thing. So not only were the 50 guys killed, but the, uh, when they when they did the investigation and they went down there and they were like, what the f- how the fuck did these guys light a fucking three? Oh, that's the other thing. The tunnel was thirty feet deep and about three hundred feet long. Yeah. So like it was a serious tunnel. That's a big tunnel. That's a big tunnel, and it was very small. Like and they but they had a rail system in it mm-hmm. with like little rail cars and they would have like little <laughs> waiting stations called uh, Piccadilly Station and and whatnot. Um, but anyhow, when they went down there, they're like, how the hell did these guys light this up? And eventually they find out about these three German electricians who had the, uh, spool of wire stolen from them and, uh, they shot them for not reporting. Oh, so those were actually three extra casualties of the great escape that is kind of forgotten in, uh, you know, like the movie and stuff. But yeah. I think there's like a there's a metaphor for war in that you know there's however many hundreds of people working together to build these three tunnels that ultimately get 77 people out and ultimately get three people freed and 50 people killed yeah and you know what but at, at the end of the day these guys took a lot of pride in it you know like you yeah. couldn't you couldn't see that 50 people were going to be murdered because the the past would have just been you round them up, you cut off their Red Cross for a month, you, you throw a bunch in the cooler, and you call it a day. Well, if they treated them like the Russians, they would have just killed them all and be done well, with Well, they it. wouldn't have had an escape to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> there wouldn't have been a chance. Like, And that's the thing. Like the, some, of the, some of the German stuff back... I mean, obviously, it was very, uh, <laughs> very intense. Like the martial law kind of stuff that they would do. Um, yeah, occupied territories, oh, but, but for sure, like hanging people in public squares and yeah, and know, it was it was kind of like t- populist control, right? Yeah, so that was basically like the message to um, Allied, you know, well, fifty of your guys died, and it was kind of made out like oh, they died while attempting escape again after recapture, or just prefer resisting arrest. But the reality is, is a lot of these guys who were murdered were held in Gestapo cells with guys who were ultimately repatriated to the camp. So the guys yeah. at the camp are like, well, this guy had fucking frostbite all over his feet. Like there's no way he tried to escape. Like they kind of figured it out. And then it eventually ended up that, uh, a bunch of Nazis after the war, uh, Gestapo and, uh, whatnot were actually like executed. A couple were given life sentences for this, uh, murder. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. Uh, there was another guy that I didn't touch on is Wings Day. He ended up, uh, he was one of the escapees. He ended up uh, getting sent to Dachau and um, uh, Sackheisen concentration camps held in death cells, eventually escaped from there. Uh, when they were moving them around at the end of the war, they took them out of the camps. And they, they also did this with the guys at Stalag Luft Three. And there was a lot of talk amongst the men and the prisoners that at some point they're just going to shoot us. And yeah. the guys at Stalag Luft Three had basically plans and they did training. Um, they basically had like, they, they called them commandos, who were the guys who were going to just rush the guards with the guns and probably yeah. die, but pave the way for the other guys who would come up behind and get control. Sure. Um, so this way. The first guys go with no Normandy. Yeah, like I, I'm. You know, you're going to go, you're the oldest, you're going to rush him. He's going to be, you know what I mean? Like, however they figured out who was what. Yeah. 
Uh, so this Wings Day guy, he eventually uh, escapes from um, from him. He, he makes Italian lines, um, and uh, he ends up calling the Allied commander and kind of saying, like, you know, they're going to shoot these prisoners. But actually what happened was one of the German prisoners in captivity with them called one of his contacts in the, um, not the Waffen, the Wehrmark, like the kind of just normal army, I think. Wehrmark. Wehrmark, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Called uh, a contact in the army and basically sent him to arrest the SS and freed the prisoners. Huh. Uh, That was for the Wings Day thing with like kind of the concentration camp prisoners but the uh Stalagloof 3 was liberated like I said by the um the Russians uh big investigation they found out killed a bunch of Nazis and that's basically the story I guess huh yeah it's really fascinating and like I said it's one of my favorite movies uh it's a famous scene um Steve McKean Steve McKean (laughs) Steve McQueen Mm -hmm. plays like um an American and uh, he's on a motorcycle and he like jumps the motorcycle into the barbed wire. Like, I'm sure you've seen that scene recreated. And no, ah, me, I maybe. Oh, brother, just watch the movie. It's a great old movie. I think you Not can buy it for eight bucks on iTunes or rent it for five bucks. Or maybe it's streaming somewhere. Who knows? I Friend? couldn't find Who it knows? streaming somewhere. I had to buy it. It was oh, like eight well, bucks. Never mind. Yeah, it was sure. Like, well. Five bucks to rent it, eight bucks to buy it. I'll watch it once a year. Maybe it'd be a great escape from just normal life. <laughs> Let's make a great <laughs> escape from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, that's how Kev narrates. It won't happen too often. Uh, don't worry. Well, imagine that. Yeah. So, uh, Matt's oh. closing fact here. <laughs> yes. Here's the funny thing about Matt's closing fact. Matt realized that he had to do a fact max, but Matt didn't really realize he had to do a closing <laughs> fact. So much as Kevin once did, wow. Matt's just saying, Matt has no closing fact. There's a, and also, there's no as part Primes. of... No, was, I got nothing. Uh, I was trying to think of something like real fast. Um, here we go, Matt's closing fact. Uh, every time you shuffle a deck of cards like sufficiently not just do a terrible job like with a new deck of cards but you give it a good couple riffles you're uh you're creating a pattern in those cards that's never ever 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 been uh done in any card shuffling before and will never be done in the future there are just so many possible yeah there's so many possible permutations of a deck of cards that uh even given like you know, all of us since the beginning of time, just shuffling and dealing cards, we would have never exhausted them and won't even come close in the future. It's such a huge number. Isn't that so crazy? there you go. All right. Yep. Well, well, thanks for listening, folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.